I like going into work every day and not knowing what's going to happen. That sounds like some people's worst nightmare, but it's it's different every day. Um, you meet different people, you have different challenges. That's what I love the most. And the creativity. We're, I just feel lucky to be in a job that I love doing. Ever wondered what the creative process is behind the films, TV shows and theatre productions you watch? Well, Crew Chats is a new podcast going behind the scenes and chatting to the crew that help make these productions. I'm Poonam and I usually work in the costume department. Whenever I tell people what I do, they're always fascinated. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool to hear more from the wonderful people who work behind the scenes to make the films and shows we all love? Today's guest is Carly Griffith and growing up she'd intended to become a fine artist but after starting her foundation studies Carly found that she much preferred costume which combined her lifelong passion for history and her interest in fabrics and clothing. Carly studied costume with performance designer at the Arts University Bournemouth and began her career as a trainee on a TV soap and worked her way up to a standby and also worked as a costume supervisor for a number of years. Carly now works in industry as an assistant costume designer and has worked on productions such as The Bill, Secret Diary of a Cool Girl, multiple seasons of Doctor Who, Poldark, Beecham House, Black Mirror and the recently released Steve McQueen project Small Axe to name a few. Hi Carly. Hi Puna. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure, thanks for asking me. Oh, pleasure. Um, so I'm going to start by um, asking you what you do. So you're an assistant costume designer and um, from your perspective what does that involve? It's basically working alongside uh, the designer and bringing their vision into reality. So you become their right hand man or woman, as in this case. And yeah, you work through them with the design process, with research, with fabric sampling. Um, And then you also work with other uh, members of the department. So within the workroom, with cutters. Uh, So you're basically there to help the designer. So then you're basic kind of like, as you've said, you're basically the almost the eyes and ears for the designer on because naturally depending on the the size of the production they are can't be everywhere at every moment which is why they have assistant designers like you um and you act as their eyes and ears in certain situations how is that like it sounds like a lot it feels like a lot of responsibility how what is it like in that way when you're sort of assuming you're kind of imagining what they want and how you think they may um envisage the look of something um yeah it is a lot of responsibility I guess it's on trust and obviously every designer works differently so I've worked and assisted a few designers and everyone is different so you always have to change what you do for a designer um so someone might like something someone else might like something else I've I've I assisted um, or worked, I kind of worked my way up, but um, worked with a designer for 15 years. And in the end, I was assisting him. And we just got to such a good level of in our relationship where, you know, we didn't have to second guess one another. And that's such a nice stage to get at with a working relationship. Um, so it's nice to build a trust and that they can just know that they can leave you to it because if you don't have that then it's it's really difficult I would say for them to be able to work you know that it's about yeah. trust and that's the most important thing I think and that yeah. they can 
you to it yeah that, that makes complete sense and I think people have said that on past like I know positions for example such as buying as well they kind of require a similar level of um, thought and trust like you mentioned as well also in the on the occasions when you come in you don't know the designer say how do you sort of go about that building that relationship because that sometimes you come in like in the middle of a production say when there's someone's someone else has left or they require another design assistant designer um in those situations it must be quite daunting um but then how do you because obviously naturally quickly you have your own creative eye and flair for things naturally um how do you pick up what they want quite quickly on especially with the, the the schedule that we have as well with filming and such um it is really daunting and even you know after all these years I still find it daunting but then I think it's good to feel that um it means that you care and I don't think that you should ever be too cocky and think you know everything or that you can do this I feel like it's you're always learning and it's a process Mm -hmm. so so on the job that we worked on uh Mm -hmm. I came in halfway through that production it'd been going for six months and it was such a huge production like the size of the team the amount of costumes and I remember the first week just thinking oh my god I am what have I done I can't (laughs) stop it was just so overwhelming and daunting and I think I remember like speaking to some of my friends on the phone going I I can't do this I can't do this it's just it's impossible but you do do it and you kind of I think from my point of view is that it's really important to observe and kind of not not sit back in the way of work, but sit back in the way of just watching people's um, processes and learning from that and what they like um, and just being observant. And you do figure it out. But yeah, it's scary and it doesn't go away. But, you know, that's part of the job. Um, If you're a freelancer, everything always changes. But that's what I like about it as well. I'm not very good with routine. So I like new challenges and new changes and, and, and new people as well. You meet some amazing, interesting people in this industry. Yes, you certainly do. And I, I, I really love that. I've met so many and we're all slightly crazy I think <laughs> and I like crazy people <laughs> you're not the first person to say that in fairness I do think you've got to be a little bit something a bit mad about you to be in this industry um <laughs> that's my opinion <laughs> we have a flair of for the something else I guess don't we <laughs> yeah yeah there's some great characters <laughs> um very very true um so I'm going to circle back to your beginnings how did you get into the costume world um well I always wanted to be an artist it was really weird I, I've always grown up painting drawing I used to paint on the walls in my mum's house and drive her insane and <laughs> that was honestly I was terrible she used to wallpaper over them they're probably still there somewhere and um yeah I always wanted to be an artist right up till doing foundation I was going to go and do fine art and it just had occurred to me that it couldn't really make a living it's very hard to make and I was getting really frustrated with fine art as well with the process and people's opinions and a bit disillusioned and looking for a university and what to do as a career it just someone said to me oh have you ever thought about like designing costumes and it never occurred to me that you could do that as a career and then I started looking at courses 
I was like, this is what I want to do because I've always loved films. Um, I've always loved clothes. I've always, I'm always been creative. And uh, also I love history. As So for me, especially period costume, um, I decided to go to Bournemouth Arts Institute and do a three-year course there in uh, VA honours and it was amazing and I met some amazing people there and who are still really good friends now we all kind of went into the industry together um, yeah so there's not many of us left now most of them have had children or are not doing it anymore there's a there's a couple of us still left out there <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we and then we all kind of moved to London and helped each other out with work we were really close and that that really helped I think because my first job um was someone what someone from my course got me a traineeship with them on a oh, wow. <laughs> on a, a great show <laughs> it was awful uh, <laughs> uh, it was a soap on channel five ah okay I think I know what you mean <laughs> yeah so I worked on a soap and actually I still say this to everyone soap is the best training you can ever have it is just so quick. You have to think on your feet. I would recommend anyone to do soap if they're starting out. Just you'll never work in anything as quick. And yeah, I learned a lot, even though it wasn't the best and I don't want to do soap anymore. Um, it's really good grounding when you're starting out in the industry. You know, you could do 20 scenes a day in the studio on a multi-cam. You just had to be quick. And if you weren't quick, you you didn't survive. So you, I learned a lot of skills from doing that and working my way up through that. You know, you start out as a trainee and you have to do all the rubbish jobs like washing, ironing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's part of it. And I'm glad that I did that. You know, it's very grounding. Um, I, I don't really like people that come in and just expect to be a designer. That's yeah, not how yeah. it's not how it works. Why? <laughs> I think that's kind of insulting to costume to think that you can just do it like that. Like anyone can do it. And that was my opinion on it anyway so I feel like it's good to have done all these things and know how they work um because I was a standby of supervised so I feel it helps you know what everyone does in the department and how things work how set works I think it makes you better at your job because it's a really important part of um just trying different things I think are really important is really important to being better at then your your individual job that you then end up um, specialising in. So whether yeah. it be you I, you've chosen the design path, but all those other things that led up to it will help you be a better assistant designer or a designer in what you do now. So yeah, I hope I hope so. Um, I'm, you know, I know that I I'm glad I did standby. I don't think I was a very good standby. Um, I was always cold. Um, <laughs> I'm like me. Yeah, I just sit there shivering on set to the point an actor actually who I was looking after put his cover coat on me, said he couldn't bear looking at me anymore. <laughs> and I was like, um, aren't I meant to be looking after you? So, yeah, I was always cold and miserable, but I'm glad I did it because I know now how set works and, you know, how important things are on set. You know, you're in the firing line. 
and when someone rings you from set and saying this isn't right I really know that that's important um for a standby because you're the one that's getting all the rubbish off people like if it's not right so I'm glad I did that um because there's a massive side of because we have the on set and then we have off set and they're like two different worlds but they're both both very important worlds and they both need to work so I'm glad that I've done both of them yeah definitely I think it definitely helps you be better um so you've taken a number you've worked a number of productions abroad working in a different country um how is it taking something from here to or starting a production abroad how is that I love it you know I purposely used to go for jobs abroad because I'm a big traveler anyway when I'm not working you know I would take five months off with a backpack and just go off on my own so to get paid to do it as well was brilliant um but it is also quite challenging um because things aren't the same um you know you have cultural differences you have language differences um and I think if you expect to go to a country if you go to a country and expect it to work the way it does when you're filming in the UK then you're gonna really be setting yourself up for a fall you just have to go with I think you have to be quite laid back and just go with the flow yeah Um, yeah. but I I love it I've met so many great people filming abroad and they have their own method of ways of doing stuff and it works and I really love that um I've filmed in Sri Lanka in India like Spain you know I just want to keep traveling with work because you see a different side to things when you're working as well because um I did a job in India last year and I've been to India four times it's one of my favorite countries in the world but actually working there was a a really different experience and I loved every minute of it but it wasn't always easy but I don't think filming is ever easy anyway no matter what country you're in you get a group of strangers that's the way I look at it and fling them together and go right we have to do this there's always going to be like difficulties but the the team we had in India were just amazing and I would go back and film there any day and it's just a beautiful country with beautiful people and yeah I love it (laughs) I'm probably biased but I'll agree with you I have a bias naturally but I would agree with that it it was just yeah it's just so great and it's just an adventure and I don't I I love the differences I embrace the differences that's why I want to go there I don't want to go to a country that's like the UK I live here let's go see something different and yeah and all the the you know working on a production as well that was um Indian costume I learned a lot um because it was a period drama it was set in 1795 and I've, I've done a lot of period dramas set in that era but I'd never done one that was Indian and it was like starting from scratch mm-hmm. um so you know le- I knew about saris but that was it. There's so many more things, um, items of clothing, and it was great. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. What was that film, by the way? Um, oh, this was Beecham House. So it was in oh. this. So that was set in 1795, and yeah, we had to. We went to the V&A archives and got out original costumes because the designer who I worked with on that, she 
she loves original practice or OP as she calls it so she wants to make things exactly how they were made and constructed um so yeah found some amazing original clothing there and yeah we looked at patterns from it and yeah all these things that I didn't know about um so yeah I'm a massive fan of Indian clothing (laughs) (laughs) I guess the like you said working abroad um wherever it be you do kind of see a different side when you go as a tourist it's completely different as when you're there when you're working like you say you see the day-to-day you see how people are interacting in a work environment you experience different things you're exposed to different types of cultures and costume and different ways of practicing work so I guess it is really like you say eye-opening and yeah and then I I guess it also again influences how you work then when you come home or when you go anywhere else to then work everything I guess informs what you do I always feel from working abroad you become not laid back in the way that you're lazy but you just learn to realize that it it always does get done and I don't know I'm quite a laid back person in general um and I think that really helps in this industry I don't I I don't do stress or if I do it's internal I do stuff (laughs) I don't see when you stress about something it helps the situation you have to be just deal with it and do that and I I I think that's what I've learned a lot about abroad yeah because often later (laughs) yeah exactly no I completely agree I think there is a something to be said for staying calm and approach just because you have ultimately we all know we always get it done so it's just kind of figuring out how we get it done um yeah I think that's really important um you just got to get it and I think that's what I've learned from being abroad it does get done and it you know there's different processes of getting it done it doesn't mean that it's wrong um it just it's a different way and that's the way I look at things um there's no I don't know I feel like sometimes here we always think we're right and we're not always right (laughs) (laughs) we have our ways of doing things I guess and like with anything when you go somewhere out of your kind of out of your comfort zone or somewhere else you kind of think I think as humans we're kind of intrinsically we think individually our way is always going to be better and I think it's hard to kind of say actually no yeah Um, let's try it this way or let's try someone else's way it's like yeah it's difficult I think to say to like kind of open out in that way but it's definitely worth doing I guess in almost no situations you're forced to because you're in some you're you're somewhere else where it's not you know everyone doesn't do things the way you do you have to kind of be open to learning new things and working in other in another person's way yeah and you also have to trust those teams abroad as well because you know you don't know the country you don't know where you can get things from so you do put a lot of trust in it's that trust thing again and you know and they do know what they're doing you know yeah yeah exactly you have to have faith and trust in that because that's what we're all here for to make this (laughs) thing um so what um what are the challenges of your job what are the challenges um well god uh, there's so many challenges it, it it depends on the job there's so you know if you're on a lower budget stuff budget is always the money is always a problem you know trying to produce what they want in the the, the money and also time frames as well you, there always seems to be like less and less time to do things um <laughs> the, yeah and it just it just gets really hard sometimes um but you do it 
but I would say budget and time frames. And also when you're working with a big team, making sure that everyone's happy and on the same page, you, you know, like the job we did, there was such a huge department and um, in the building that we we're working in, it was making sure that everyone was on target, but also that everyone's happy. It's really important that you've got a happy team and, you know, I would always try and go round every morning and just, even if it was just general chit chat, just yeah. to see how everyone was, because that's so important. Um, and even, you know, obviously to check how everyone is doing with work, but just how they're feeling mentally, because I think that's really important. Um, if someone's not happy, it, it, it reflects in the work. So I think it is also part of your job to make sure, the t- you know, yeah definitely it's a very astute point because I think I mean I, we we enjoyed our chats in the morning that we had with you yeah, 100%. I loved, loved coming around to your department and just you know <laughs> had great chats <laughs> something sometimes not even to do about jewelry but we had great <laughs> chats and I just feel like even doing that's really important just taking like five minutes out just to have chats with people about yeah. sometimes that's not yeah I think yeah, that's important yeah. and I think people forget that um that you know it's just like we must do this and it and I'm just like well yeah but we can take five minutes just to be human um (laughs) I feel like it's important part of you know we spend such long hours together 12 hour days you know more than that sometimes five days six days seven days a week it's been known um you spend more time with a costume team or a crew than your family and your friends um so I think it's really important to build rapport between the team. Um, yeah. No one wants to go into a job where you're unhappy every day. That's not what it's about. No, I 100% agree with you. And I think um, it's been a common thing that people, other people have said as well, is that having a team that is happy and then creating an atmosphere or having an atmosphere that is positive. I mean, naturally, there are moments where there is going to be um, disagreement or not, everyone's yeah. going to be happy 24-7. That's not good yeah, that's that's not possible but um having a generally a good atmosphere um is conducive yeah. to a good working environment um absolutely yeah so I think definitely that's I think it's a really important part of the job and I think well you certainly do it well on the thing we worked on as well so um yeah definitely I agree with you checking in and making sure everyone's on the same page is really important too because naturally I guess with so much information flying around and with the big teams that often things can get um misdirected or misunderstood yeah no absolutely and especially on the 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 job we were on it was it was the amount that we were doing was just crazy and you know it would be quite easy to make a mistake or miss something um but considering the scale of the project I I think it ran pretty smoothly I don't know I came in halfway through so um I I felt it run pretty smoothly. It did. Well, I remember. I think I think all of the people, like the two, I would definitely. I think everyone that I know that I've spoken to has had a really good time on it. it <laughs> really was, enjoyed it. <laughs> it was such a nice atmosphere, especially mm. with the costume, um, like the warehouses. Oh, yeah, the, warehouse the, room, yeah. Uh, the department. It was. It was just. It was a pleasure to go to work every day and you know you don't always get that on jobs and you're not going to get a team that wants to come back and work together or with you again if it's horrible I think people forget that you know we're all freelance we don't once the job's finished you don't have to work with 
people again if you don't want to and I feel like you get people coming back to work for you if you have a nice time as well as producing nice stuff as well yeah I definitely definitely agree yeah um so what do you love about what you do then um I like how it's so you don't know what's going to happen next you you can be unemployed one minute and then like I remember I was in between jobs and I then suddenly got a phone call and I'm on a plane to Istanbul um for the week and you know doing some I was doing some crazy job in Istanbul (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we all we actually got tear gassed it was during the 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 Taksim riots oh and they put the crew hotel next to the uh, next to the square, and we just finished filming, and we got out, and the man from the hotel was like, "Get in, get in!" And the next thing, we all got tear gassed, and yeah, it was, but it was crazy. But that's what I mean. Like, you just never know what's going to happen. Um, I like going into work every day and not knowing what's going to happen. That sounds like some people's worst nightmare, but it's it's different every day um you meet different people you have different challenges that's what I love the most and the creativity where I just feel lucky to be in a job that I love doing and yeah not many people it's funny because you hear a lot of people like not in the industry just in general and they really dislike their jobs yeah yeah, and I just I think that's really sad, uh, you know, that you don't like your job because it's such a huge part of everyone's life. And I just feel really lucky to have a job that I really love. I love costume. I, I love doing it. I really do. So, yeah. I think that you again, you make a very good point. Um, yeah, we are really, I think a lot of people, other people have said it as well, is that we're really lucky to do something that involves us being creative and something that for the most part most of us I think really enjoy and love what we do um yeah. it's a privilege that I don't think everyone has so yeah definitely um naturally you're dealing with um depending obviously the type of production that you're working on you're dealing there's a lot going on with any production actually of any size um what happens when things go wrong so for example say on set person's in the costume they want to be in but for what that were they're supposed to be in that was decided but for whatever reason the director someone has decided they don't like it and there needs to be a change what happens in those situations um you usually have a heart attack um (laughs) (laughs) it happens a lot you know you, you can have the costume all done and ready and stuff changes on the day like you say a director doesn't like it all suddenly you know the actor can turn around and say no I don't like this and that's happened a lot um you basically deal with it um I've been on set where we've had like a seamstress altering at the side you know taking out sleeves and putting something else in or you really just have to think on the spot try not to panic or not to show it and you we've always solved the problem you have to there's there isn't any other solution you know if someone doesn't like it then you have to solve it and yeah well you do you do solve it because sometimes things don't go the way that you you expect it to (laughs) all the time and you're just sat there going Oh, and you can't some people get really frustrated that they can't solve every problem but you can't perceive things like you always have to, to expect change it it's part of the job 
and I think you've got to be able to deal with that otherwise you're just going to drive yourself insane um yeah and sometimes you might not like the decision but you know that's part of it you just if that's what a director wants then that's what the director wants you can you can also argue you know there's been times when I've got called to set and say you know they don't want this and you if you feel really strongly you can argue your case and I have argued my case sometimes about certain things and and then they suddenly say yeah actually you're right sorry and then if they're really insistent then yeah you change it it's at the end of the day I feel like if that's what a director wants then you have to go with it you can state your case but you know they have the decision yeah that's true I guess it's a lot of problem solving and then also not being too precious about um it can be hard especially when you've invested a lot of time and energy into something um you know there's been even case you know where a costume hasn't been used and it really upsets me when you've got not just the work you've put into it but the the making team you know the hours that have been put in and it's suddenly just gone within a minute you know sorry no and you just go oh it's so heartbreaking but it is part of the job it happens um so you do just have to deal with it and move on but it it still gets me (laughs) (laughs) yeah you you kind of mourn the loss of a costume it's like a child you know you send it out into the world and then it's and you want it to do well and then when it doesn't you get really upset (laughs) (laughs) you know you become you get you kind of like you kind of get invested in especially yeah it's really it's 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 hard when it doesn't work out the way you want it to when you feel really passionately about it but you also have to let go sometimes yeah kind of yeah adapting like you say expecting to change in the first place which is a lot of that it happens every I don't think there's a job out there that doesn't have changes um you know so it is part of the job deal with it yeah (laughs) good point deal with it (laughs) um so what's your favorite kind of thing to work on um period dramas I I love I love historical costume I'm such a history geek I I read history books all the time in my spare time anyway so I I'm just fascinated with historical clothing and learning about it. It's kind of all I've more or less done the last couple of years. Um, it just interests me. I've always been interested in history, uh, even before costume. Um, so that's what I really enjoy doing. Where did your love of like history? Do you know where? Can you mark a point in your life where it? I've always, I've always liked it. I always had history books. Um, or always got people to buy me history books I remember history at school I just really enjoyed it and and part of it was the clothing as well um (laughs) I made my parents get a national trust membership and we used to go around these houses in in the summer holidays just and my brother and sister were so bored um I think but I loved it um so yeah I just think it's always been there uh history just always kind of gravitated to it Hmm. and then in that same vein I guess what inspires you I don't know that's a that's such a hard question like obviously yeah history or but it's depending on 
I don't know. I, I think I'm inspired by so many things. If I like it, I like it. I know that sounds kind of like a um, a really rubbish no, answer. No, um, no. But yeah, obviously, I tend to go for more like historical things. Um, but just like beautiful clothing inspires me. Beautiful fabrics inspires me you know and actually it doesn't always have to be beautiful I like the gritty side of things as well I think doing a lot of period dramas I kind of get sometimes frustrated how candy coated they are um, because back in the olden days things weren't candy coated things were dirty um, I, I did a bit of work on a job called Taboo which I really enjoyed because it was filthy. I didn't enjoy getting filthy myself, but the, it, it felt really true to how things would have been in that time. Uh, we even even the balls, like the, the the upper classes, had like dirt on their teeth and then their nails because people didn't really wash then. So even people from upper classes were dirty, you know. And I, I really liked that as well. I kind of like the darker side of things. Um, yeah I'm not I'm not very good with sugar-coated no that, no it makes sense though because I guess with all the period dramas I always wonder about that, actually their teeth because their teeth probably wouldn't have been as straight and nice and oh, as sparkling no. white as they as they are now I was watching um I was watching the BBC version of Emma um for some reason I watch that way too often anyway that's another story <laughs> her teeth she's got she had lovely she has lovely teeth and I just remember thinking all of them do but I just remember thinking they wouldn't have had such nice teeth even the yeah no you make a good point there that it's um that kind of dirty element is usually removed it's sanitized isn't it the version yeah. of the period dramas that we watch they're a bit sanitized for our uh, modern day sensibilities I guess yeah no I I want some to, I look like I really love breaking down you know I think breaking down is great it's such an important department to have and you know I just I'm not very good when everything's very clean and especially in a period drama I'm like no break it down needs <laughs> to look real yeah yeah um obviously you know on some jobs that's not the that's not the brief and that's not what is wanted and you know you go with that but my personal point of view I just love broken down stuff it's great you're not the only one actually you've said um there's been a few people that they love that kind of realness yeah and that worn and it should look I think someone else one of the I can't recall who but a few people have said it that it it should look like they've literally picked it out of their own wardrobe and put it on rather than it's a costume that they've put on yeah absolutely I feel I think it's really important that in costume that it should look like a person's clothes and not just something that you know that we've thrown them in it that is another important aspect of design it should feel like the person's clothes and yeah I think break breaking down or that worn look is a very important part depending on the character and obviously the scenario obviously sometimes people have to be pristine but you know many people just wear clothes day after day even today even in modern dramas so it should feel part of the person and the character yeah I completely agree there is something really satisfying about watching something like that yeah um, so this brings me on to my final question and every week I say it's my favourite question um, <laughs> but what are your three favourite to watch recommendations? Um, okay so the first one is a film called Gilda from 1946 oh. with Rita Hayworth. Um, oh. It's 
I kind of grew up um, watching black and white films, like uh, old Hollywood films with my nan. I used to come home from school and she used to look after us. I used to watch a lot and I love them. Uh, it's just like the proper Hollywood glamour. And for me, Gilda was just this amazing, like the epitome of Hollywood glamour. Um, there's um, a dress that she wears in it, a black satin strapless number. And she does this kind of... Uh, song and uh, kind of like striptease with her gloves and I just always remember thinking wow she's so glamorous and so beautiful and yeah she just looked great and for me that was classic old Hollywood so yeah that would be my first recommendation and then second I love anything that's Wes Anderson um I just think everything he does is great, the whole the style. But I think one of his best films for me is uh, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, such a good movie. Yeah, it just, for me, that you, when people talk about collaborations of different departments, I feel that's, that's how you do it. Like the sets, the costumes, you know, the way it's edited, the music, everything just works in this amazing style. And, you know, and I really love, he works a lot with Milena Calanero and I just love her costumes and yeah, it's brilliant. And they're quite funny, his films. Well, they're very funny. I find them funny. So, they are. They're very yeah. stylish and they're very, they're very, very quirky and very amusing, yeah. I find too. Yeah, I really love his films. He's got a new one coming out called The French Dispatch, which I don't, I don't know when it's coming out because of COVID, but I'm really excited because it looks great. So yeah yeah I don't know I don't know whether it's got a release yet and then the third one is a film called The Fall I think it's probably one of the like visually one of the most beautiful films ever made it's by a guy called Tarsim Singh um who's kind of done a lot of um adverts music videos um he's not made many films but he's got a real visual style and the costumes were by, I don't know if I'm saying it right, Iko Ishikawa, who, again, um, many films. Did she do the Bram Stoker's Dracula? Yeah, she won an Oscar okay. for that. And she's just amazing. She's Sadly, she died a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but the whole look of that film is just amazing. And also I learned the way they shot it. It was shot over four years and he funded it himself. And um, he would go and take adverts in different countries where he wanted to shoot and then get the, the cast to fly the cast over. And once he'd finished filming the advert and use the crew to film his film, which is a really unusual way of making a film. Wow. Yeah, but he's, I think there's like, all these locations like he filmed a lot in Rajasthan especially in Jodhpur and all these places around India in Zambia I think in the Orange Desert or Tanzania and um, Bali Italy it just it's just so beautiful like every frame I'm just like wow it's stunning it sounds like he's and the way he shot it sounds really interesting as well very unique yeah I I was reading about and I was like whoa that's a different but he got it done um, yeah a real labor of love yeah four years so that's that is definitely a labor of love 
So that would be, yeah, my three recommendations. <laughs> They're very good. I mean, I've seen one which has rarely happened, so I'm excited by that. Um, and the other two I will check out. Um, thank you, Carly, for your recommendations. And thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been really good. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Carly. Tune into the next episode where I'll be speaking to cinematographer Tunji Akinsahinwa. And if you get a moment, could you please like, follow or subscribe on your podcast platform and follow the Crew Chats podcast on Instagram. Thank you.